2 Corinthians 3.18 says that we are being transformed from glory to glory, um, which means that there is a, a process of becoming within us, that we're not the same person that we were yesterday. We're not the same church that we were yesterday. And you know, one of the greatest enemies within our lives isn't the fallen us, it's the past us. It's the us that dwell in yesterday. And the present is really the transition time, the transformation time between what was and what is to come. And that's where you find yourself. Um, you know, some people are one hit wonders. Some, some bands are one hit wonders. But when it comes to your church, um, you're in the middle of becoming legendary. Uh, in other words, there's some incredible hits that are um, being sung today, but they're being sung in private. There's, there's a reinvention happening within your lives right now, but it's, it's in private. And I call it the next you. Um, you know, there's, there's, in you and in me, there's like six yous. There's the nasty you, the narcissistic you, the, the naughty you. There's also the natural you that's been created in the image of Christ, pieced together in your mother's wombs, it says in Psalm 139. And also there's the new you. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says the old is gone and the new has come. But there's also the next you. And the next you is the you that you're becoming. It's the, it's the, it's the you that nobody has the image of except for God. And you can see fragments, but God believes not in how you've been, but he believes in how you will be. I often equate God to be like Michelangelo, that when he saw that block of marble from Antonio that was fractured down the middle um, and he was poor, so he, I think he got it for almost free. Um, he then carved out the statue of David but someone said, well, how did it all happen? And he said, when I saw the, black, the block of fractured marble, I saw a, an angel um, that, that, you know, that was frozen inside the marble and he carved away to set it free. And when God sees you, he doesn't see the past you or the present you. He sees the future you. And when it comes to you, you know, four-fifths of you is still under the surface, that God's, God's emerging um, for a start, the redeemed natural you, you know, most of us were more us when we were eight than 38. And God's, you know, most of us has been buried by fear and buried by uh, FOMO and buried by um, other people's impressions of us. And so there's a rising, there's a clarity, there's, there's more authenticity coming to our lives. And when that combines with the power of the new you, and it, when that combines with the fact that God places his strengths on our weaknesses, and, and you know, I often say that God builds the greatest skyscrapers of strength on our greatest fault lines of weakness. And we're all called to become skyscrapers, to scrape the skies of possibility, to cast a shadow of influence over the world around about us. But where does God build his greatest skyscrapers? Is it on our talent? It's not. It's on our fractures. It's on our weaknesses. And so when you put together the, the unburying of the, of the authentic natural you uh, with the becoming of uh, the strength and the power of God in the new you, and you put your willpower behind it, when you decide to become the next you, the next you becomes the next big thing. And this is what it says in Romans chapter 12, verse number two. It says to be transformed. In other words, to be 
metamorphized, which is what happens to a caterpillar when it becomes a butterfly. We become metamorphized. It's an incredible process where you become almost unrecognizable to the person that you used to be. And that's the hallmark of Christianity. It's, 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 the hallmark isn't holiness because that's a, that's a moving scale. The, 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 the hallmark is change because that's a consistent scale. And that's what's happening within your life and within my life that there's a, there's a becoming, there's a transformation that's happening. And it's happening right now in Good Life Church. It's happening right now in your heart. But it says in Romans chapter 12, verse number two, to be transformed, how? By a renewing of the thinking process so that you can test and approve God's good, pleasing and perfect will. The Maserati of God's will. It's not average, it's not mediocre, it's not rehashed, it's not recycled. God has a magnificent will for your life, but in order to experience it, to test and approve it, to experience the Maserati of God's will for your life, then you, then you need to be transformed by a renewing of the thinking process. And so therefore, the next you is the next big thing because it opens the door up to the amazing Rolls Royce of God's will for your life. Also, it says in Romans uh, chapter, four, uh, sorry, in Proverbs chapter four, verse twenty-three, um, it says that out of the heart flows the the boundaries of life. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. Out of the heart flows the fountains of life. And and if if you were to find out where your boundaries are, it's governed by where your heart is. And so when God expands your heart, when God redeems your heart, when God restores your heart, when God transforms your heart, then instead of boundary lines falling in unpleasant places, your boundary lines, Psalm 16, fall in pleasant places. Instead of you uh, having boundary lines in gullies, you know, in places of fear, in places of distress, in places um, of turmoil and trauma, your boundary lines are in pleasant places. They've been, they've been guided by the will of God and not by the fear of man. And so that's, that's what's happening right now. The next you is the next big thing. There are new hit songs that you're writing in your private place right now that will become public. I'm a huge believer that when David went on the battlefield to fight Goliath, he was already a Goliath slayer because it was just too simple. He just kind of chucked a stone out of five stones. It happened to hit Goliath, bang, in his forehead. And the battle was won by the, by the Israelites. And, but he, when he arrived on the battlefield, he, because his private life had created a new hit song called Slay Goliath, you know, bringing down Goliath. And, and so that's what happened on the battlefield. I'm going to declare what the Bible says in Isaiah, not to dwell upon the past. Uh, don't, don't magnify it because there's, there's not enough room within you for both the past and the future. And new hits are being written right now. And you're in between assignments, but the greatest assignment is for each one of you taking a hold of God and for each one of you putting the past behind. You cannot stop where you're at and you cannot just say, well, this is, this is me. The problem with finding yourself is that you won't find that in the Bible. What you'll find is to redefine yourself, not to find yourself. 
And redefining is really important. When God uh, created the heavens and the earth and created everything, he did it in six days and rested on the seventh day. But when you analyze the six days, um, the first day he just he just divided um, uh, light from dark. The second day he just divided sky from sea. The third day he just divided uh, land from sea. On the fourth day he uh, divided a uh, night from day and he created the seasons and um, but he didn't in doing that he he spent more time defining than he did demonstrating and in day five he demonstrated his power by creating sea creatures and in day six he he manifests and and uh, demonstrated his power by creating land creatures and creating human creatures and so he spent four days defining and two days demonstrating when it comes to the power of god he spent he spent four days with the pencil redefining and then two days with the power and i think that that you need to pick up the pencil of god with a brand new canvas and you need to redraw yourself and draw who you're becoming and become a huge fan of who you're becoming what i've noticed about satan is that satan wants to remind me of the past me he wants to use condemnation he wants to use containment he wants to use uh, an odd sense of contentment or a sense that gosh i've already had three or four hit records and he wants to stop me in my tracks. He, he wants to confine me from where I'm, at, where I'm at. And I think the same with each one of you. Your greatest enemy is your last hit. And that's why in Joshua chapter 1, God had to remind Joshua twice that Moses was dead. And that wasn't just the bad times of the past. That was the good times of the past. Because God now wanted not a repeat performance of Moses. God now wanted to take all of the Israelites into the promised land. And there's coming that for each one of you. There's a coming into the promised land. There's a coming into all the plans that God has for you. And it's coming through reinvention. And you want to become, you know, God, God in the world has a Kodak picture of who you used to be. And the problem is that even your spouse has a Kodak picture of who you used to be. And that's why it's very hard to change because you're reminded of, of the person who was unable to break free from yesteryear or even from yesterday. And, and even when you have a repeat, say, I'm changed, I'm a changed person, and then repeat part of your past performance, often people close to you say, typical, uh, you haven't changed at all. And you know, you need to realize that God's your number one fan, that if they hold a Kodak picture of who you used to be, then God holds a Polaroid picture of who you're becoming. And he's shaking it to remind you of this is the next you. And what he wants you to do is he wants you to take that Polaroid picture and he wants you to shake it, shake it, shake it, to shake that Polaroid picture at the devil, at uh, those who have a frozen image of who you used to be. And he wants you to shake it into your soul so that, so that you remind yourself that you are not the person you used to be. You are the person that you're becoming. You know, I've got a world that's crying out saying, I want to find myself, I want to be myself. And, and the problem with that is you'll always find the person that you used to be. You'll always find the person who's frozen in history, frozen in that Kodak picture of who you used to be. And, and, but God has got 
a Polaroid picture of who you're becoming. And you know, if you could, if you could, if you could become a master of reinvention, if you could, if you and God together could could get into a personal locking position and, and say, God, I want to be the person I'm becoming. If you know, if if you could, if you could be reinvented, if you could, if you could not just play the same old record that was played last year if you could say god give me a new tune give me a new melody give me a new baseline give me a new a new harmony raise up part of the melody of heaven which i was born with combine it with some explosive drumming from the holy spirit the baseline of the holy spirit the rhythm of grace then 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 we could get a brand new song coming out even right now i can see some of you have a little middle eight which is, the, which is the section between the verse and the chorus. And you're humming it right now. And that's the beginning of, of a new hit record. It's, it's a beginning of my universe. It's a, it's a beginning of magic. You know, these are songs by Coldplay. It's, it's the beginning of a, a, of a new sound. And some of you have got the verse. Some of you have got a new rhythm. You, you know it, but you want to be a believer in it. Some of you have got, have got a new bass line. Some of you are singing harmonies to somebody else's melody. It's there. It's fragmented, but, but it's there. And let me, ask, let me tell you that you need to become your brother's keeper here. You need to, you need to become a huge fan of each other. Um, I remember James Bay, who's, who's another a pop star from the United Kingdom, I think he said that one of the songs on his first album took maybe two years uh, to to come together, and and you know it's because he hadn't because it was fragmented that that he hadn't had got all the pieces together, and I think sometimes that we are the piece in somebody else's song, and if we stop singing it, then then there's an incompleteness. The song just lies dormant instead of stirring hearts and lives of a fresh generation. And so I want to encourage you, you know, that we're, God's creating new songs within us, plus he's creating parts of songs within us so that together uh, we rise up with a huge anthem, uh, a huge party dance anthem to get, to get our world marching to a different beat. And if ever there's a time for reinvention, this is that time. It's quite hard, though, because we're defined by if you're a little bit cynical, uh, you know, that's part of your humor. If you, it's part of your wittiness. If you're a little bit sarcastic, sardonic, it's a part of your wittiness. You're going to have to give up some things that you love, you know, and you're going to have to give up some of the measure of success that you've had. Um, and, you know, sometimes God wipes away our previous success just so we can't rest on it. Sometimes we, we, we can feel like failures because um, Part of our lives have just been has just been washed away by a recent storm. But let me say that storm is is a help from God. If 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 God can wipe away um, the past and wipe away you are living in the past, then He's doing you a favor because your future is bigger than your past. Um, it says in Hebrews, I think, chapter nine, that God takes away the first in order to establish the second. He takes away, he's talking about the law of Moses. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. So some of you right now, um, where you're at, your first has been taken away. And you can be in regret over it, you can cry over it, you can be hurt by it. 
But let's just dig down a little bit. In order to be transformed, you need to rip up the Kodak of who you used to be. Your greatest enemy isn't, isn't just the fallen you. It's not just the narcissistic you, the nasty you, the naughty you, um, the moody you. The, the, what your greatest enemy is the past you. And so instead of crying over spilt milk, sometimes you need just to begin to celebrate. It reminds me of a great story, that a, a quick, simple story that some of you have maybe heard before. But I think in, in the 1910s, in a place called Enterprise in America, um, they, they had a huge influx of weevils that ate up their cotton uh, plantation. And um, it completely eradicated uh, you know, and, and brought them from prosperity back to poverty. And and so someone said, hey, let's change uh, to growing seeds and growing peanuts. And they became extraordinarily rich by doing so. And so when it came to the time of building a statue, and every American city has a statue of um, a patriarch or some father of the faith, uh, whatever, they decided to put a statue up for the weevil. It was called the Bowl Weevil. So when you drive into Enterprise, there's a statue and it says something like, in honor of the Bowl Weevil, um, who heralded a new kind of prosperity for the region. And I think for, for each one of us, some of the things that have eaten us up in the past, uh, we need to build a statue to it because, because it actually heralds a brand new beginning. It takes us out from the past. And so that's, that's some successes that have been wiped away, but, but there's been some failures that you need to, the Bible says there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And, and condemnation is the waving of the Kodak picture of who you used to be. And you're, you're, the only remedy is to take the Polaroid picture out from heaven and to say and to say be silent in Jesus name every voice that rises up against me in condemnation in accusation i now condemn how through the polaroid picture of who i'm becoming you know a lot of people will never be convinced by it if you argue the case but you just you just call to do an internal work to allow god to 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 metamorphize you, allow God to change you uh, deep on the inside. Let me let me let me um, just share four things um, about a reinvention. And and the first one is that is that we always want to fit, but when you're being reinvented by God, you you rarely fit. You rarely fit in with your friends, and rarely fit in with the culture because you're becoming. And the analogy I've got is, is when Hannah went to see her son, Samuel, who was dedicated to God once a year, she used to bring new clothing for him. And the clothing for a while was too big for him. And then when they arrived the following year, it was too small for him. It, was, it only fitted him for a couple of months. And I think sometimes we, we want desperately to fit in, but you're going to have to fight that fear of not fitting in because when you're being transformed you're either too big for the pond or you're too small for the pond but you're hardly ever just right for the pond and you know secondly the 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 friends that you have that took you from a to b are rarely the same friends that take you from b to c because you're changing you know sometimes you're on a train and uh and there's another train next to yours and often you think that 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 train's moving and you realize hang on a sec we're moving and sometimes in our own inferiority we think that people 
are leaving us and rejecting us in our walk in life. But in actual fact, what's happening is we're rejecting them, not in a conscious way, but we left them six months ago. We made a decision to lay our lives down afresh for Christ. We made a decision to sacrifice ourselves. We made a decision to become the next us. We made a decision to not stop growing, to not rest upon our laurels or rest upon the Kodak picture. And, and often that final altar call we went to was, was when we split from them. And the manifestation of that is six months later, we, get, we don't get invited to their wedding. We don't get invited to their parties or to their barbecues. And then we pick up a rejection complex. But it's not them that left us. It's us that left them. The thing about people that took us from A to B is that there are people that took us from drowning uh, to the edge of the lake. And they're fabulous people and we honor them and we thank God for them. But they always see us as a struggler. And it's very hard for them not to see us as a former addict, not to see us as, as the person that we used to be. So God often switches people. And the person or the people that help take us from the edge of the lake up to the top of the mountain is a new set of people. Because they're not, just, they're not just here to make us survivors, they're here to make us thrivers. And so that's why there's, a, there's often a change of friendship that happens during periods of uh, great transformation. Um, because people can't help but to see us as either losers that, uh, that have just made it or survivors that, that have just made it. But we need, we need some people who can help take us and we need to help take them to the top of the mountain and often they're different people and so you know even though it's hard to say goodbye to old friends sometimes we we need to do it um, in order to to release us to become everything that God's called us to be and let me say on the same principle that's the same principle why um, an 18 year old a 20 year old needs to leave home because because if you're a parent you can't not see them as still a 12 year old or still an eight year old it's an amazing thing. Um, you know, I've got a 30-year-old, and but I still see him as a 17-year-old. And and that's the reason why he doesn't live with us, because I've this part of me that's frozen him in history. And every time I see him, I've got to I've got to grab a hold of the Polaroid and become a huge fan of his. But if I don't do it, then the Kodak of who he used to be becomes my frame of reference. And and that can only um, hold him back when it comes to the destiny God has for him. So that's the reason why kids often have to leave home because they need to reinvent themselves in a new, bigger pond, a bigger environment. They need to become the person that God's called them to be. And you know, the thing about reinvention is that it's not actually linear. Uh, when Jesus said to, um, said to uh, Simon, which means read, from now on you're going to be called Peter, which means rock, um, that was a that was that was Jesus with the pencil of God, not the power of God, but the pencil of God, redrawing him, redefining him. But then we'll find a little later on in the Gospels, he's still called Simon. Sometimes he's called Simon Peter. He's never called Peter Simon for whatever reason. But in Acts chapter two, the person who eventually stood up 
uh, wasn't Simon, it was Peter, and 3,000 people got saved. And so sometimes uh, transformation isn't linear. Sometimes pressures build up, and then we suddenly change, like a tsunami rising up from the ocean. And so be patient with each other. Be patient with yourself. Some of the tensions that are arising in you is because God's in the business of reinventing you, and there's obvious resistance within us uh, that want to pull us back a little bit. But you want to get a hold of the Polaroid. You want to shake it, shake it, shake it like a Polaroid picture. Um, thirdly, uh, you, you need to realize that, the, that the, um, the old you is actually the imposter you. You know, when someone says, hey, I'll just be me, the old you is not you. When, when the Bible talks about you, if you've been born again by the Spirit of God, it talks about you being a new creation, you being a saint. It doesn't say, hey, all you sinners, even though we do sin uh, sometimes a lot, it doesn't, doesn't identify us as sinners. It identifies us as saints. Classic example with me and Jen, uh, many years ago I was lying on the couch being a, a, a typical male slob, you know, putting no effort in. And then someone, a parishioner phones up and I then talk to the parishioner full of faith and power for the hour. Uh, you know, reel off a prayer for them. And when I put the phone down, my wife said, you faker, you imposter. And But the real imposter wasn't the guy on the phone. It was the guy in the lounge chair. It was the old me. It was the sullen me. It was the irritable me. That was the imposter. And it's important for you to define yourself as the new you and the next you, not the old you. Sometimes we, we, we think, oh, everyone's faking it on a Sunday. Look, they come in their Sunday best and, and, um, and everyone's polite with each other. That's not faking it. That's the real you that's been born again by the Spirit of God. And it's up to us to, to make sure we put on the new us every single day. And Ephesians says, take off the old you, take off the corrupt you and put on like, like a favorite coat, put on the new you that's been changed in the image of God. And then it practically says, put on compassion, put on goodness, put on grace, put on mercy, put on forgiveness, you know? And so, so we need to come back to the grand central station of the will of God for our lives. And we need to decide to become the person that we're becoming. We need to be in agreement with the person that we're becoming. And lastly, don't panic. It's easy to panic when the tide begins to go out, thinking that's the end of all tides. And yet the only reason why the tide would go out, the only reason why God would remove the past or remove the first, is so a new tide can come in. If you could model this, if you could hold your nerve, if you could not panic, then you're doing it on behalf of a generation. You know, a lot of churches have come out from COVID are quite devastated and quite depressed and quite um, discouraged. But there needs to be a church that that put that puts their courage back on, that puts their strength back on, and and you know keeps their head in all circumstances that emerges out from the 
the low tide and out from the, the, the disappearing tide of yesterday and getting themselves ready for the new tide that's about to come. Isaiah 54 says to, um, to extend your tent curtains wide, to strengthen the stakes, to, to, to strengthen the cords, lengthen the cords, strengthen the stakes, because there's going to become a lot of children and you need a tent to cover and to protect everything that God's about to do. To close, that I um, was in a conference a, a few years ago, and my youth pastors—I used to call them the posh and becks of the Christian faith—because they were so good looking. And I found a picture of them from a year before that day, and I pinged it to them during the conference because we were all enjoying one of the speakers. And they saw the picture from a year ago, and they're looking fabulous. You know, the 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 their skin was good, the lighting was good, their hair was done immaculately. And I waited for a response, and when the response came back, it just it just said last year's bants. And what they were saying was bants is is short for conversation. They were saying that's last year's conversation. And what they were saying is we don't live there anymore. So they rebuked me. And I want to encourage you to rebuke um, every picture that's uh, shot up um, on the silver screen of your mind of how great things were yesterday or how bad things were yesterday. I want to encourage you to close that book. So I encourage you, there's, there's tunes, there's verses, middle eights, there's parts of choruses, there's new rhythms, new beats, new bass lines, new sounds that are emerging within you. And you know, take those strands of DNA, take those strands of music because eventually God will put them together as a song. Get ready because the best is yet to come.